0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hey, Unwritten Rule fans, you can catch us every Monday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Believe Unwritten, and enjoy the show. In today's episode of the Unwritten Rule, we're going to be recapping Mizzou's awesome Awesome game against Tennessee, thirty-six to seven. The Tigers won. Um, we'll have all of our reactions, break down everything. Cody Schrader's awesome performance. We got it all for you. Kenny Paytoner here um, to talk about that. So uh, we'll dive into it. But first and foremost, a word from the good old sponsor, Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, uh, UFC—they're all in full swing. Um, I know, you know, we're going to use our, our bet online. We use our bet online for, for all of our um, best beats of the week odds. Um, so bet online is your number one source for wagering odds, uh, news and prediction, spoiler alert for best beats. Uh, my sicko bet hit again. So thanks to bet online for those lines, all the hoops betting action along with every sport is available right at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. So head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code, believe BLEAV believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online, where the game starts and the unwritten rule starts right now. Attention. Everybody stop what you're doing. It's time for The Unwritten Rule, a Mizzou sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Network alongside Peyton Haverman and Kenny Van Doren. Here is your host, Jack Knowlton. Welcome back to The Unwritten Rule. Today is Saturday, November 11th, and Mizzou football uh, bouncing back from a great performance against Georgia. Got so many compliments, I would say, for that game. Um, Came in. And exacted revenge. Uh, we talked about it with Jay Graham in the in the uh, preview of this Tennessee game, which is what Tennessee did to this team in 2022. They showed on CBS all of the pettiness with Heupel go, you know, punching that last touchdown in to get to 60. The the very brazen handshake between Josh Heupel and Eli Drinkwitz, and it was another pretty brazen handshake uh, after today's result. But the result is what matters here, Kenny and Peyton, because Mizzou steamrolling uh, Tennessee 36 to seven, the final in Columbia. I have a bunch of stats and and we have a ton of stuff to get through in this game. Um, Cody Schrader, how about it? Um, did you guys know he was a division two, uh, transfer that, you know, was, was brought in by a boost. That whole story was, was off the rails again on CBS. This was an awesome, awesome game. Um, a marquee performance for Mizzou season, the road to 10 wins now feels so much more real, um, before we dive into the specifics, boys, mizzou 36, Tennessee seven, no points in the first quarter. Uh, what were your just reactions to the game?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, after the debacle that was mizzou basketball against Memphis last night, kind of felt like they the, the school needed a win in this one to kind of pick up the morale. Uh, and boy, did they get that and then some. I mean, to have this game be on CBS, I mean. We Mizzou really did, I guess, pick up some respect uh, against Georgia last week cause it, at CBS came to Perot, Um sold out game, blackout, and Mizzou absolutely. I mean, I don't know if they really can keep using something to prove anymore because I think they've proven it at this point. I mean, it's truly like this is a very very good football team. I don't know if they'll quite get to the top ten um, in the uh, in the very next. Uh, CFP poll but this is a top 10 team in the nation no doubt um they every single phase was won by Mizzou I mean it really felt like even though the score wasn't lopsided in the first half it felt like Mizzou was the better team just about every step of the way they weren't forcing a ton of Joe Milton incompletions early but it just it felt like it was building and building and building and Mizzou just they pitched a shutout in the second half uh just absolutely brutally efficient on offense. You cannot ask for anything more than what Mizzou gave you today.
3: Eli said it so well after the game uh, with with the sideline reporter. Our defense beat their ass. And that's like the most emotion I've seen Drinkwitz like against another team this season. I mean, he's held back a little bit. He's kept it within the the team. And, you know, we saw him even apologize at the start of the week for his actions of getting frustrated with the referees, frustrated with the, the calls that were happening in the Georgia game. He kind of let it out. Um, Blake Baker posted a meme of Michael Jordan. You know, I took that personally kind of meme after what they did last year. Um, what a response. And I think it sticks with them. Uh, they talked about it. They, they were at rock bottom last year. They turned it around. They, had, they didn't need to prove anyone. It was proving themselves right that they could get here. And that's what it always came down to. For Cody Schrader, the one thing I'll say this before we get into our points Is that yeah? You can keep talking about you know where he came from—a Division II school at Truman State. He was one of the best running backs in the Division II level. Talk about how you know he's—I mean—he should be in the SEC. Like this is a guy who's proven it that he is one one of of the best best running running backs backs in the SEC in the country and doing it as a as a receiver and a running back. And I mean, it's getting to the point that I've I've talked to the Truman State head coach last year when I was on this beat. He talked and we talked about it then. He's like, we saw we see guys lead Division II all the time, and we you know, we can't really tell him the grass isn't greener on the other side. You're not going to get an opportunity elsewhere. He was an exception. I mean, Cody Schrader just proved it to a lot of people kind of got lucky with how the story came down, but um, he's proven himself that he's an SEC running back.
1: Yeah. From a rock bottom Kenny to a win over Rocky top, huh? Um, I mean, you're, you're totally right. The, uh the something to prove mentality. Um, You know, yeah. Cody Schrader was awesome. That's the first point. Um, we want to hit on, but yeah, like, I, I just my quick reaction to the game. Like, I I put very much out of my brain that 2022 game just because I wanted to. It was a forgettable result. Um, you know, yeah, that I remember in the moment how angry, uh, you know, Mizzou fans were at what Hypel did, and yeah, from from the jump, you could tell. Oh, they did not forget about this. Drinkwitz did not forget about this. I know Kirby Moore wasn't there, but they clearly informed you know, him of, of what this, what this was. And now I know we've talked, you know, pretty extensively about Kentucky maybe being a little uh, kind of rivalry emerging from a zoo, this Tennessee team, you know, both these, both these teams are kind of on a similar plateau now. And there's going to be, I think some big games between these two, these two football schools going forward.
3: It's very unfortunate that we don't know when that next game is. We talked about that, which, Hey, these, these games are, you know, kind of meaning a little bit more because these two teams are fighting in the East to, you know, take, take up Georgia's spot, but mm-hmm. we don't know when these two teams could play each other again.
1: Yeah. But whenever it's going to happen, it's going to be fiery. Assuming, you know, Hypel and Drinkwitz are are, are going to be at the helms of their respective football teams, which they've both been great. So I don't know why they wouldn't be, but yeah. Awesome. Awesome game. We got to talk about him. The man of the hour, um, Mr. Cody Schrader, 205 yards and a touchdown on 35 carries on the ground, 116 yards. Uh, through the air, I'll get to. I'll, I'll do my stats last. Um, the two I wanted to hit on, just in the game in general, for Heupel, it uh, was his first scoreless quarter, I believe, when he had a, when they went held him scoreless in the first quarter, um, first scoreless first quarter that he's had in his tenure. Um, and then Tennessee also had the ball for less than ten minutes in the first half. Mizzou absolutely dominated that part of the game. We'll get to that, but let's segue to Cody Schrader. I mentioned those stats. What a performance for the guy. Kenny, I think, hit the nail on the head. Stop talking about him as just making it to this level. Let's talk about him as being one of the best at this level in the SEC as he's been all season. Uh, what were your boys' thoughts on Schrader's performance?
2: Yeah, not, um, not only would I say um, we should stop just talking about him making it to this level. I mean, he's really, even from – Last year, I mean, we've grown. I remember, and I'll take full responsibility for this. I was very skeptical of Cody Schrader at first. I remember Kenny telling me when he was on the beat, like, dude, Cody Schrader is going to be taking a lot of carries. I did not believe Kenny when he told me that. But that wound up being true. And over time, I mean, it became very clear. This is a legit dude that belongs here. Um, I'm not a draft scout. I can't talk about it whether he would translate to the next level or not. But I mean, entered today leading the sec in rushing yards. Um, he's going to be leading that category tomorrow. And I would have to say probably will be leading it by the end of the year. And that is just an unbelievable. Mizzou's never going to find a gem quite like that in the portal ever again. You're not going to do it. That's just this is like, like totally unforeseen stuff, but the transfer portal does give you the chance to get these guys and Cody Schrader has just absolutely earned every opportunity. I mean, I don't know if this is one of the stats we we're going to say, Knowlton, but he was—he had 100-plus rushing yards and 100-plus receiving yards. In the SEC since 2007, there are only six guys that have done that. The names on that list are Percy Harvin, Dexter McCluster, Daryl Williams, Alvin Kamara, and Chris Rainey. Like That is an unbelievable list to be a part of and he's the first player in sec history with 200 plus rushing yards and 100 plus receiving yards he was i mean tennessee was not ready for that at all i mean they held him to 25 yards on the ground last season in that absolutely terrible game uh i think they completely overlooked cody curator and he made them absolutely pay
3: yeah i mean you had every right to be skeptical everyone was a little bit skeptical there's a guy a, a guy who's really doesn't fit the mold of what an sec running back kind of looked like came up from Truman state, you know, division two level. And a lot of people were skeptical and maybe even like the future of it was that he, maybe he was going to be a special teams guy. Cause when I talked to the, the coach at, um, at Truman State, he was like, you know, we kind of liked what he could do on special teams, too. It wasn't just him as a running back. You know, he can tackle people if they need him out there. And he was a two-way guy in high school, like a lot of players were. But um, it's really just translated. And just I think the work ethic is really just has really gotten Cody Schrader this far. And the number one thing that's really stood out to me about this game is that not only did he get the most carries of anyone in the game, of course, you know, I mean, he is the number one running back. He had the most receptions, too. He had five receptions this game for 116 yards. We know that first play on offense, he was just wide open. Um, I, I was watching it. He was in motion on that play, um, kind of just zigzags around on the field. Is wide open on the on the right side of on the sideline, and I mean that was just really what Cody Schrader was—just always open. And he's the safety blanket too. We talked about that last time. If if you know it's a pressure coming and and he's there in the flat, Cook's gonna hit him. And it was just like that kind of stuff that schrader's always open or he always finds a hole too and i you know i've knocked on a little bit you know the speed he got caught a couple times last year on some big runs especially when you think about that one against georgia got caught right at the goal line um this year it's just like he finds these bursts of speed that just come out of nowhere like i said before like guys like i used to think about Le'Veon bell who would like let the play develop and then find his hole that's what cody schrader does he lets he lets the play develop finds the hole and then that's when it, the speed kicks in it's not like he's going to full tilt right away he's finding the hole then he turns it on and it's unbelievable like what he's done for this offense
0: what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at u.s customs and border protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe join u.s customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: Yeah, he I mean, he showed off his patience. They They did a good job on the CBS broadcast of noting that where, you know, he lets the offensive line do their jobs and then he makes the right read and then off he goes. And then, yeah, you mentioned, you know, he's a lot faster than a lot of people I think think he is, especially this season. I think he's gotten a little quicker. He can break a tackle on occasion. He's a smart runner. And that in the end is, is sometimes better than having just a speedster is a guy who knows where to go, who knows when he's in trouble, how to get out of it. He had a run or two where, again, and we said that we say this about Luther Burden all the time, but Schrader had a couple runs where it's like he should have been tackled for a couple yard loss. And then he turns it into something at least a little bit positive. But it was a whole bunch of positives uh, today for Cody Schrader. Peyton, you mentioned that uh, that 300 plus scrimmage yards stat you had. He is the second player in Mizzou history with 300 plus scrimmage yards. Um, Devin West, who played in 1998 is the first, um, the other stats I had, um, here's the other list of players in college football history with, uh, 300 plus scrimmage yards. Uh, Steve Slayton, who played for West Virginia, um, Devin Neal, who I think played recently for Kansas. And then, uh, the other two, yeah, last year. And then the other two names on this list are Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey and then Cody Schrader today. So, Unbelievable company that he he kept um, great stats for him uh, drink what's after the game this comes from Callum McAndrew um, I thought the individual play of Cody Schrader was unbelievable what an incredible day that little Superman had for us So Mizzou, Mizzou's a little drink what's has some some nuggets in here by the way that we need to touch on as we keep going but little Superman Cody Schrader was was absolutely absurd today uh, if you guys have any more just quick hits on him yeah
2: no I mean can't say enough about Cody Schrader. Really just this season has just been such a great, just good running back. I mean, absolutely rock solid. I still do want to see a little more from the other running backs just to keep Cody Schrader more fresh, just keep him from getting so beat down. But he's absolutely earned the right to be the bell cow. Um, Another thing to shout out, I mean, it's not just Schrader making plays. The O-line is just so much improved. I mean, in, in in every single run run play, it feels like there is just a hole. I mean, this has been – it took a little bit of time and a little bit of flack for this O-line to kind of truly gel together. But there's not a weakness on that O-line anymore, I think. Yes, Cody Schrader – or not Cody Schrader. Uh, Connor Tolleson, again, had a bad snap today. Uh, that was way earlier than Cook was expecting. God, when those guys are just blocking and that's it, I mean, there's not a weakness. Cameron Johnson, who was like a huge target of ire earlier in the year, has really stepped up. Armand Membu is getting nationalized for being just a huge behemoth that just moves people off the line. Brett Northfleet has really improved as a blocker throughout the year. The entire left side of the line, every single one of them deserves a shout-out. Um, and, yeah, it's just been – Far and away, I think the most improved unit on the
3: team. One thing I want to note, last thing about Cody Schrader is that the first first play in the second drive uh, for Mizzou's offense, everyone was going to the left side. He went to the right side. I mean, he went the wrong way. Uh, ended up being a four yard loss. It was like it was nothing. Didn't bother him. I mean, it, it made a simple mistake. Just went went the wrong way um, when the offense was going to the left, and ended up turning in one of his be- the best performance of his college football career in the SEC. I'll
1: throw in one last quote, before we move on from drink Uh, on tackling Cody Schrader quote, it's like a big game of chicken and he ain't no chicken. So there you go. Drink. He's, he's pulling out all the stops here at the presser. Thank you, Callum for that. Um, Let's segue to the other side of the ball for a little bit now, because I remember us talking um, with Jay about, about this and, and, you know, he was very complimentary of Cody Schrader just as we, and, and he was, you know, complimentary as well of Tennessee's running game. You know, that's been, uh, a little bit more involved this season under Heupel when they don't have Hendon Hooker at QB anymore. Um, the combination of Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, and Jabari Small—they um, combined for just 47 total or 47 rushing yards. Their leading rusher was actually Joe Milton, who had 36 yards on 10 carries. That's where I want to segue into the defense. We can talk about the turnovers as well, of course, um, them benefiting Mizzou. But let, let's start with that. What impressed you guys about this defensive unit, uh, particularly with with slowing down this Tennessee rushing attack? They have, you know, they had kind of a three headed monster at times, and Mizzou, I felt like really shut him down.
2: Tristan Newsom far and away was the player that caught my eye the most. Tyron Hopper went down with an injury in the first half. Tristan Newsom came in. He was all over the field. He's a younger guy. He's not super experienced or anything like that. Uh, believe it's just his red shirt sophomore or red shirt freshman year but he's played a, a few times this year and every time he has he's been a sure-handed tackler um and i thought thought he made a few few big difference differences today i remember there was a read option where if i'm not mistaken milton kept the ball he ran out to his right Newsom was the only guy there he drops milton for a loss if he doesn't make that tackle that's a first down game um, but other than Newsom the run defense in general. I mean, other than the LSU game, the run defense has just been borderline elite all year. I was confident in that unit coming in. Uh, and Joe Milton, you know, they when you, you don't have your run game, you kind of got to air it out a lot. And at first, Joe Milton was taking what Mizzou has given him, hit a lot of slants, hit a lot of basic plays. But I hate to be mean, Joe Milton's not a very good quarterback. I mean, it's just very inaccurate. He, you could tell in the second half when Mizzou had him in some obvious passing downs, they were getting closer and closer to getting that backbreaker-breaking tu- turnover. I remember Joseph Charleston was a little late to pick up a slant, and he knew it would have been a pick if he had broke out in time. And then Dalen Carnell finally with the straw that broke Campbell's back. Big revenge game for that unit. Like Kenny said, Blake Baker tweeting, the the, and I took that personally after what Um, Tennessee did to them last year it was really just a unique game plan you know we're so used to bring in the house Blake Baker loves to just roll the dice with blitzes and stuff like that he trusted his three D linemen whoever they were it was typically Walker and Robinson on the outside and whoever he rotated in at D tackle and it paid off
3: yeah I'm glad you hit on Tristan Newsom because I mean, he's a transfer. He's a JUCO guy. He comes into this program a little bit more hype. Had a good spring. Looked like a guy that was going to mix in with mix in pretty early. Um, had a couple, you know, games where he did show out a little bit as one of those the third or fourth uh, linebacker um, with Ch- Chad Bailey off the year and Tyron Hopper having the ankle injury and not being out there for most of the second half of that game. Um, Newsom finished with the most tackles. He, him and Travis Johnson had the most tackles. And then that's, that's a great thing to see for a, such a young linebacker and one who's really it's in his first year with the sec as well. Um, he had eight tackles, three solo Peyton mentioned that tackle for loss in the QB hit a uh, great game for him. Um, you know, Chuck Hicks had a great game as well. He's really stepped in this role, missed all of last season with that injury and comes back this year. Um, a little bit of hype from him coming out of Wyoming. He another guy who's transferred and it was just a lot of guys just stepping up on the defense And and you talk about D-Rob as well. D-Rob's playing with a lot more fire this year. The guy was invited to one senior bowl last year, wasn't the one he wanted. He comes back, moves back out to the edge, and is just in people's faces. Him and uh, Milton, you know, they they were face mask to face mask. That's not something you see from D-Rob last year. I mean, he seemed a little bit more reserved. This year, he's just a different animal um, out of anyone on this defense. For for sure, lock to be in that Reese's Senior Bowl is him. Just based on what he's been able to do this year, he's had you know up and down with the injuries as well. But man, D Rob has just been a force since he's moved back to the edge.
2: Yeah, and that I'm glad you mentioned the D Rob thing about him getting in people's space. I was skeptical of that move out to the edge, but boy, it has paid off just so much. I mean, even I mean Blake Baker kind of just had to leave him on an island today. He brought three a lot let Mizzou sit back in zone, uh, just make Joe Milton make a mistake. Um, And he still, he found a way to get a sack at the end there. Like you said, he just is an absolute leader on that unit. Um, And he was, I don't know how many people noticed. I mean, even though he didn't have his most stellar day rushing the passer, he was absolutely dominant against the run. I noticed him a few times, whether it was, even if he didn't get the tackle, just knocking dudes back, just disrupting everything Tennessee had nowhere to run today. And that is what they've been doing all season long. And you saw what happened as a
1: result. Yeah. Um, I, I think you guys hit it, the nail on the head. That's the two things that, that jumps out to me when I, when I look at the stat sheet is, you know, Newson and Hicks being the, the number what tied for the number one, and then the number two leading tacklers and, and they're, you know, backups on this team. Truthfully, when, when Bailey and Hopper are, are available and ready to go so i think that shows the mark of a good team a good defense it's it, it's built on how deep it is i know we talked about that with uh with tennessee again with jay with he thought their defensive line had a lot of depth to it and i think i think you can say the same uh for mizzou's linebacking core um let's talk about these turnovers too um guys because i think i i think that's something definitely definitely to hit on you know we had um, we had the the uh, the interception, of course, at the end of the game with Dalen Carnell getting the pick six, and then the two fumbles. Those were crucial in terms of keeping with how long Mizzou's offense had the ball. Um, you know how how key were those turnovers, and just like thoughts on this team being able to generate takeaways because I think that's something that when we talk to other people about Mizzou, that's something they that I feel like gets hit on a lot, and and that was showcased on full display here today with the two fumbles and the pick.
2: Yeah, they've been up and down sometimes creating turnovers, but I mean, and today really one of the turnovers, they did not do anything to create, Um, but that pick six, I mean, that, that interception was, you could tell it was coming. I mean, in the second half, Joe Milton was really making a lot of riskier throws. He was throwing the ball really hard and got away with a couple. Um, I remember Ennis was really mad. He didn't pick off a like a ball that got by someone in the flat um, I just I could feel it in my bones. Like they're going to get a turn, take away. Finally, Dalen Carnell reads a ball perfectly. I mean, it was like telegraphed. Um, and he, I mean, that was it. That was that was really like kind of the DVD DVD moment, if you want to say. <laughs> like that was just a really cool thing for Dalen Carnell to get. Um, it was just more than anything else the exclamation point to the defense because i mean they suffocated tennessee i,
3: I, I want to go to the the other the t- other turnover that they forced when, when cad you know forced that fumble and what really stood out to me is just the response from cad as well we know he's had a great season we know he's had you know draft hype going going into these last couple of weeks and he gave you know he's the one who the touchdown was scored on the only touchdown for tennessee dante thornton makes a great catch right you know the ball looked like it might have hit the ground it didn't um he makes that catch there and it's like it didn't even bother Cat. i mean he kind of thought maybe he dropped it but he comes back later and lays a nice hit and gets that fumble chuck kicks recovers it um it's just the response is what's really stood out to me about this defense you know they're not dwelling in anything else i mean this is an sec caliber defense they can't dwell in what what they've done in the past and i mean we've seen it before that Games like last year where a lot of this defense came back, they remember everything from that Tennessee game coming into this year. They're not dwelling in it. They're using it as fuel. And that's what's something that you've seen a lot from especially these corners. Um, Ennis, who's had an up-and-down year with injuries, you know, trying to battle those, stay healthy, and get on the field. Uh, we even talked to we, Peyton and I just you know, messaging or just in a group chat. Um, Matt Miller, who's from ESPN, posted something this morning saying that you know, there was like first-round buzz for him. And you're thinking about it like, well, he hasn't really had like a year that's really stood out. Probably because – quarterbacks aren't throwing his way all the time and that's what's really stood out, out about Ennis. Right, he's ever. battled the kind of ever. Yeah. He, he was a little bit banged up today as well. Looked like he took a, a leg to the head and uh, he was favoring his right arm a little bit on another play. Um, but he's, he's just everywhere and um, he he can hit people. He's a fearless guy, just like Cat is.
1: Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you touched on Ennis. That was a, that was a good thing to to bring up. Cause yeah, it's almost, it is a little bit of a conundrum with him because yeah, I think it's just quarterbacks you don't want to throw his way. I mean, he hits hard. He defends the pass. Well, we've known this for, for years now um, with Ennis and seeing him, uh, seeing him develop. And you're right. You're, you are right. Peyton with one of those fumbles. That was a, uh, that felt like a play that would have been a Mizzou call if they had somehow called that a forward pass on that RPO sort of miscue. Um, But it was a fumble and that was the, that was the right call. But Hey, you know, great teams sometimes sometimes need a break, and 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 Mizzou got one. They got one with the the first fumble too, where Tennessee's you know driving toward the end of that first half, and then you know you get the takeaway, and all of a sudden that momentum is gone, and Tennessee just could not get it back. 83 rush yards, uh, Mizzou held the Volunteers to uh, on Saturday evening. Back to the offensive side of the ball, um, I think now. Let's talk about Brady Cook for a little bit because, you know, Cody Schrader was the star of the show that, you know, Brad Nessler was, I think he called the the trio of Cook, Schrader, and, and Burden. And he was calling them the St. Louis stars. Um, what what were your thoughts on Cook's performance tonight? Because he started out with the interception. Um, you know, he had that deep pass to Marquise Johnson, which was, I think, his furthest throw of the night. Um, and even that, I know Peyton, Peyton sent us a text and was like, that ball still looked like kind of horrendous. Uh, even though it was was still a big completion. Marquise Johnson was just wide open. But still in the end, 275 yards and a touchdown on 18 completions um, and added 55 yards and a TD on the ground, which is where I thought he really showed out, um, was using his legs, especially at the beginning of that game. But what were your thoughts on uh, on Cook this evening?
2: Yeah, definitely improved from last week. He needed a big response after what I kind of thought was about his worst half of his career a half that would really stick with him that second half against Georgia. At first, he did not respond well. I mean, that first interception was really ugly. But after that, I mean, that's just kind of what's been the mantra, just taking things off, proving to yourself that you're, that you are as good as you, as people say you are. Uh, uh, He was, again, it wasn't a perfect day. That throw to Marquise Johnson should have been six. Um, but I mean, Marquise Johnson, as we've said a million times, he does not look like a freshman. I mean, what an unbelievable, that's an underrated play that I didn't see a lot of hype for. That was such an unbelievable diving grab by him. Uh, but cook was much, much better. Uh, really liked what he did with his legs twice when Mizzou was backed up on the goal line. Um, after really good punts from Tennessee, Tennessee tried to win the field position game. Cook used his legs, scrambled for two first downs. Um, one of them was kind of, I thought the broadcast put it well, a design dash to get Brady Cook to bait, rush up the middle, then just scamper to the outside and pick up a first down. But overall, it wasn't a perfect day. It was a pretty good day, though. And I was glad to see he could uh, hook up with Burden there at the end because Burden was very clearly not 100%, was just not moving well. Um, so I'm glad they were able to get him a touchdown at the end there.
3: You could also see the frustrations for Luther as well through that whole game. Um, he had opportunities where maybe he thought he was open. Maybe he thought the, the different play would have gotten in the ball. And I mean, even with the injury, it's just frustrating that he can't play it at his level and the game that, you know, he can control. Um, but another thing that just really stood out to me is how, the way Kirby Moore and this offensive staff just called the game. I think early on the, the secondary for Tennessee was a little bit stronger um, we saw uh, Brady Cook take a sack early, and it, you're looking at that play from, you know, like the coach's eye that, that you can you watch the game from. You're going to see like a lot of those wide receivers were locked up, and he didn't really have any plays. They turned to the rushing attack. They rushed more than they passed, of course, and it just turned out really well. And I even went back and looked at it, and I thought, you know, the first quarter he didn't throw for as much. I'm talking about Brady Cook here. Um, that was when he had his most passing attempts. He had 11, and it trickled down from six, three, four through the fourth through the four quarters um, just the rushing game it was turning to that and that's what really controlled it and Jackie you you shared with us um, you know a good quote from uh, Drinkwitz this past week on the teleconference talking a little bit about how Tennessee's offense is hard to replicate in practice and I joked with you guys that the, the thing that the way that they replicate is that they just took the time of possession away uh, Mizzou just controlled this game they controlled the clock especially in that first quarter and in that first half 39 minutes and 56 seconds to 20 minutes and four seconds. The Tigers were in full control. They had the steering wheel the whole game.
1: Yeah, that's I, that's a really good point. I mean, sometimes the best way to play defense is just by keeping the other team's offense off of the field. That's a, I think that was a huge point in the game. I mentioned the, the stat earlier that, you know, Tennessee only had the ball for 10 minutes in the first half and then pretty much equaled that in the second half. So it wasn't even necessarily that Tennessee – couldn't respond. They, or, or didn't respond. They just couldn't, they weren't on the field. And when they were, they made a couple mistakes. Mizzou's defense stepped up. Like we just talked about, but, but Peyton, what you kind of talked about made, made kind of gives me the in, impression that like Mizzou in this game just didn't have to lean. Like, obviously they leaned a lot on Cody Schrader, but it just shows like the balance that this offense can have where you can have Luther burden still out there playing banged up, playing locked up a bit in the first half. I think you do have to give Tennessee's DB some credit um you know to limit a guy like Luther to even under 50 yards receiving um is impressive still give up a touchdown but to be able to just have this offensive balance where you have a guy who like Cook who can run or you can hand the ball off or check it down to Cody Schrader and let him do his thing I think is is great for this team um and and they know how to pick their moments it seems Luther Bird knows when it's like all right this is my day today it was Cody Schrader's day you know Tomorrow it could be Brady Cook's Day. Next week it could be Brett Norfleet's Day, which would be great. Two catches today. Shout out. Um, but
3: I want to yeah, interrupt I, you one real quick about yeah. the tight end position. Is that we you know we saw Tyler Stevens play go down a lot. I mean, the snaps went down because you know he did struggle. He dropped yeah, you know, three or four drops earlier in the season. And I noticed him a lot more today. And I don't know if that's just because I'm always looking at the numbers and seeing who's on the field. He was out there for a lot of the blocking. And we talked about Jordan Harris being a good blocker earlier in the season looks like they're they're really relying on Tyler Stevens a little bit more now.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as Brett Norfleet's catching passes, you know, we're a Brett Norfleet podcast. We have to look out for our guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think just the the amount of weapons is it, it showed off in a different way where it wasn't Luther Burden getting 150 yards, it wasn't Brady Cook passing, you know, for for 300 plus. He got close, to be fair. But I, I think I think it's just a it again showed just the offensive balance that this team has. Um, let's turn to some of maybe the the not so good on Missouri side, which is a little bit of penalty issues. There were definitely some moments uh where I thought, uh-oh, they might give away this drive due to penalties. Thankfully, uh, Tennessee kind of reciprocated them in that department. They had 95 yards uh from nine penalties, Mizzou 50 uh yards from seven penalties, but we had um Cameron Johnson got called for a false start and a holding. I don't think that was the only offensive line. Membu got called for a false start too, had uh Two like fifth man in the backfield illegal formation calls for Theo Wees. I don't really know, you know, what you do. Like that, that's just like, you know, basics. You got to coach that, coach that better in those moments. But what were your thoughts? It ended up not affecting Mizzou too badly. But once again, especially on the O-line, same old story a bit. And Peyton's saying their praises. We're taking nothing away from the O-line's performance today, but still again, you know, there's some some mistakes to clean up there in the penalty department.
2: Yeah, I don't really care about the penalties as much today. Um, Especially nice when you don't have to, right? Four of them were on, like, one drive, so it was, and one of them was Brady Cook's fault because he didn't snap the ball in time, and that got Theo Weiss called for, like, I believe they called it a false start. It was more just, like, an illegal procedure because he wasn't Mm -hmm. even set. Um, Overall, I don't really care. There weren't any that derailed a drive, I don't think. Obviously, you don't want them, but you might as well get them out now, especially for Cameron Johnson, who struggled with penalties mightily earlier in the year. But saw, I don't know what Brandon Jones has started doing at practice because he's been really, really more disciplined the last few weeks. He's going to get a couple down the line. You might as well have it them.
3: It's incredibly hard not to go a full game without a penalty, at least one on the offensive line. Sometimes you jump, and that's what Armand meant, but we barely moved. Um, as the right tackle, and then Brady Cook went up to him, you know, just hit him on the helmet, he said, You're good, dog. Like, that's you know, nothing, nothing bad there. And it was, I think, it was second and one. I know Drink looked a little bit mad about it happening, but something that it's just, it's just gonna happen, especially just with an offensive line. And, um, for Theo Weiss, it does kind of suck that two of those go against him, or just, you know, maybe in the stat book or reflected on him, because on on the first illegal formation that he was marked as, as a guy in the backfield, he looked right at the, the, Line judge and pointed to him. My good, oh, it was and the Terry McLaurin the frust- thing. Yeah, you see the frustration oh. after he was like, I was, I asked if I was good, and you, you could obviously see when you're looking at it when they showed you the replay, he was not on the line, and mm-hmm. that's just kind of it's just the frustrations there, and then just not being said, it's just it's more just a team thing there, and um it, it goes against him, but at, at the end of the day, I don't think the t- the coaching staff's gonna credit him for those.
1: That's a that yeah that's like Terry McLaurin against the Bears when they were trying to trying to win the game and they had the the illegal formation penalty even though he pointed at the ref, um yeah that's tough. Hey listen, you know Mizzou's got eight wins. It's a it, every every Mizzou fans on euphoria. We got to humble everybody a little bit. You got to nitpick a little bit. Find the things that they can still improve on. Every team can get better, but. It was, I think it was as close to perfect today as, as you know, maybe we'll get uh, with the exception of maybe some big plays from like burden. And he's still at a touchdown, which is like really all you can ask for. Um, let's let's quick hit on special teams. I think the only two main storylines we had Chris Abrams drain on punts. I, you know, you guys uh, can correct me if I'm wrong, but that feels like in part because Luther burden wasn't all the way healthy. And then uh, Mr. Craig, the leg himself, Blake Craig, the backup kicker was doing kickoffs um, and Peyton. That was no bueno. From, from him to- Yeah, no, he was bad. He was pretty bad on the kickoffs. <laughs> didn't get him to the end zone.
2: Two of them got returned. Uh, so... And, and Meevis replaced him in the second half. So Mavis, uh I remember there was a quote this week. I forget who tweeted it. I believe it was Wendell Shepard. Uh, maybe it was Brandon Haynes. Uh, Cook... Uh, or not Cook. Meevis's mechanics are just a little funky on kickoffs right now is what the issue was. So... It sounds correctable because earlier in the year, he was getting them through the end zone. Um, so hope you kind of hope he can get back to that because Blake Craig sure can't do it right now. Maybe he can in the future, but definitely not for now. Um, Chris Abrams' drain on punts, I mean, we'll see if that remains permanent when Cook is healthy. He didn't drop any. He didn't return any, really. I, I don't really care either way about him on punt returns. I just am kind of glad it's not
3: more yeah, when burden's healthy too i don't think we want brady cook back there on yeah. punts but well we definitely don't <laughs> want
1: brady cook back yeah there. i don't that, want brady cook back there on punts
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah so um yeah I'm, I'm not gonna you know it's blake craig's first time being out there and i'm not Craig gonna like i'm not gonna like take any shots at him he is an all-american kicker uh he was under under under, he's under or, yeah he's a freshman too uh under armor all-american is what i was trying to say and um there's a lot still there to grow for him and I, i'm not gonna you know take any more take any shots at him but um he is you know a, a good guy to replace me one day and that's something to kind of look forward to is you know what can he kind of bring especially like sitting a year under harrison Meevis.
1: just as i was a tucker mccann fan when we started at mizzou in 2019 just as i became a mevis fan when he took his spot i will be a craig the leg supporter until he pro- unless he proves me significantly otherwise uh i, so yeah, I, I want to say off. go ahead
3: I want to say Blake, Blake Craig is also a very respectable young man. Uh, Mr. Van Doren. Yeah, he called me Mr. Van Doren once, not knowing that I'm only three years older than him. And that was, that was very nice of him.
2: Yeah, I, it's interesting because, I mean, you look at the recruitment rankings for the special teams that uh, Eric Link brings in, they're always highly touted. I mean, like you said, Blake Craig is like a big deal. He's a good but, kicker. Yeah, right now, freshmen can't get it through the end zone. Probably won't be seeing him again.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I will stay a a Blake Craig fan. I will always, I will always be a kicker guy. That's well known on this show. But yeah, um, those are the quick hits on special teams, and then we just have some other stuff. Um, I, I think we got to talk a little bit about what happened at the end of this game, where Tennessee trying to kick a field goal, um, to end it. And again, this goes back to what I brought up in the intro. Mizzou remembered the sixty, what three, three, five 66. points it was, sixty-six points it was um at the end of the 2022 game mizzou remembered that and Drinkwitz pulled a little petty out uh have some more quotes from him i'll read at the end of this but uh he iced tennessee's kicker when they were trying to get to to double digits tennessee ends up missing the field goal and that's how the game ends there was a little scrum um because brady cook got pushed when they were doing the kneel down Drinkwitz sprinted onto the field got his guys out of there because obviously the announcers pointed it out if you do something stupid in that moment you can get tossed for the first half of mizzou's next game so that's good that no one had it there, but pretty funny stuff at the end with the gamesmanship from Drinkwitz. Kenny mentioned the post game interview. He he remembered. He did not forget. It
2: felt like the end of both both halves kind of defined this game for Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee, like we mentioned earlier, was driving, uh, and then they fumble with twenty seconds at the end of the first half, and Mizzou winds up stealing three points when Cody Schrader does what Cody Schrader does and just break a couple big runs. Cook had a completion. They get three from a uh, Meavis going into the locker room and then this one man, that was really something watching Josh Heipel trot his goddamn field goal unit out there down twenty nine. It was pathetic. I was pretty like, this is lame. Good for Drake dysing that that kicker. Uh and then he missed it. That was totally deserved. Um, Tennessee absolutely deserved that. Not because don't forget about what just happened last year. I mean, two years ago, twenty twenty-one yeah, in that was the bad. worst home game I've ever attended. The crowd sucked, the weather sucked, everything sucked about Mizzou Tennessee twenty twenty one when Mizzou lost sixty-two to twenty-four. Um God, I can't believe that team made a whole game. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, what goes around comes around. I wish Drink had honestly gone. another touchdown at the end there but it was whatever drink will take the sort of high road there but i was glad to see petty drink make an appearance with an icing the kicker and then the our defense kicked their damn ass or whatever it whatever the exact quote was oh there's another
1: swear word in there their damn ass
2: who cares Drinkwitz was fired up i was too no it was
3: great it was great We've never said that Drinkwitz doesn't coach until the final whistle either. We talk about the Alabama game in 2020 in his first season. Um, you're his getting beat game. by Alabama. First game, and he played it until the final whistle, calling timeouts as time right, right before time expires. Um, and, I mean, good on him to just remember, too. I, I like you brought that up, Peyton. It's like not just let that go, you know, let it go like you're going to take the field goal. You know, if you're going to go out there and try to kick a field goal to reach double digits, We're gonna play too, and we're gonna call it there. And what do they say about karma too? And and that's what it is. Karma's a bitch, and this kind of happened to them. And you look at where um, what happened last year after that Missouri game against South Carolina. The week after for Tennessee, they lost sixty three to thirty eight on the road. Um, You you just don't run up the score. And I understand you had your backup. And Joe Milton was the one who handed off for that touchdown in twenty twenty two. He was the backup at the time. Yeah, and he was throwing, too. He was yeah. throwing, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a passing touchdown. So yeah, I mean, it was just it's coming full circle. Now he's a starter here, and or started this year, and, and so you just kind of kind of realize you just people remember that stuff.
2: Yeah, Joe Milton in relief last year went three for three, hundred five yards and a touchdown. And let That's let me right. Let me, let me let me say this about Tennessee doing that last year. I totally get what Tennessee was doing last year. That was a game where it's like Tennessee was left out of the CFP. Back when we were, it was hilarious, and we thought they could actually make the CFP. Um, t- they were trying to run up the score on a. At the time, we knew that Mizzou defense was pretty good. Um, we knew it was a much improved unit from the year before, so they were trying to prove a point. Drinkwitz, I mean, Drinkwitz said all the right things. He said, "I he was coaching till the end." I don't have a problem with it, but I think we know he took that personally, and he should. That's stuff you should take personally, whether it was or not
1: yeah yeah uh I think this is the appropriate time for another quote courtesy of Callum McAndrew Drinkwitz I think he said all the right stuff after this game too and much more entertaining Drinkwitz quote can't kill us we've already been killed we've been at the bottom we were there last year so he did not forget a little bit of gamesmanship I think everyone loved to see that um from eli to end the game other fun thing uh they posted this graphic i think on cbs mizzou is the first ever team to beat all fbs teams in the state of tennessee in one season memphis vanderbilt middle tennessee and now the tennessee volunteers so that's pretty cool
2: said it after the game he said the tennessee state champions line
1: oh he did yeah Mm -hmm. tennessee state champions there you go uh and then the only other thing and this is a little bit Um, I think personal for the three of us, because of the game we watched in 2021, Kenny brought that game up and how just ugly it was. This kind of was the same thing. A similar thing kind of happened in that game, if you can believe it, as different as the result was where Tennessee's players were just getting so injured um, at the beginning of this game. I think, Kenny, you wrote down they had a roughly seven to eight injuries like they all kind of came in the beginning of the game. We heard the fans boo. And just to explain to maybe anyone that doesn't know, I think all Mizzou fans understand why that was. This team just, like, it's a weird amount of injuries. We obviously, you know, we don't root for injury. We don't want anyone getting hurt. But it's, it, you know, it, I remember it got on people's nerves in 2021, and it kind of happened again, at least to start the game. Well, the thing about 2021 is it happened on every single
2: extra point. And it was like yes. Tennessee was already running up the score. The crowd was already cranky. It was an 11 a.m. kick. The weather sucked. So people were just booing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were getting hurt early in the game. On both sides, the medical tent's got to work out in this one. Um, overall, it, like, it, it did cool off at the end of the game. I know Tennessee did have one serious injury. The guy that caught the touchdown against Cad got hurt on that play and did not come back. Um, and Tyron Hopper did not come back either, so. Hopefully nothing serious on either side, but it was—it's a weird, weird little coincidence between those two games.
3: Gotta gotta wonder if the turf monster at at, uh, Faro Field has something against the Volunteers at this point. So many guys going down. I wrote seven, eight on there because seven of them were like stopping play. One of them was an offensive lineman, got a little bit banged up and had to walk off. But man, it just—it's just—I don't know if it's something between playing on grass and turf because I know Nealand is grass. Uh, I don't know. It's just—it was such a weird coincidence that it happened again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, but you know, it it is what it is. Um, final things I have the two other stats, uh, one more thing on Cody Schrader. He had his two longest catches of the season, uh, today. I think that was pretty, pretty, um, to be expected. Uh, he got lifted up in the air after the game and said, that is definitely the number one moment in my life. So another just cool moment for him. Um, other thing I had seven points, uh, is the lowest point total Josh Heupel has ever scored in his 70 games as Tennessee's head coach. Um, and then final one from Cal McCandry. I had a couple more quotes from drink and, and, uh, Darius Robinson one. I could tell the second or the third quarter, they didn't want to be out there no more. We donna- dominated Tennessee and they're going to remember that. Um, So I think that's a good note to end. He also joked that with him being gone, now the returning players are going to have to deal with an angry Tennessee next year, but if Mizzou deals with them uh, in the way that they did this season, they should have uh, no problems as we saw, but what a win, Um, you know, guys, just quick thoughts. Like, I guess, within the larger context of the rest of Mizzou season uh, to end things off. I just, I just want to hear kind of what this means for the Tigers because we also have now, you know, they face a Florida team that's been up and down all year. Um, that's a personal game for me. I'll get into that preview. And then uh, an Arkansas team that now is playing for nothing after getting thumped by Auburn. So 10 win season, very much there boys.
2: Yeah. If not, I would say that it, it's darn near, likely um at this point uh you get florida at home blackout game on the espn night slot that's another special thing mizzou really has kind of earned the national recognition that we've all we all can say we don't really care about but it's cool when cbs and espn want to come watch Mizzou games at pro um, and then you get that Black Friday CBS spot for Mizzou, uh, Arkansas, and what's going to be one of the last SEC CBS games ever. So been a very special I, – I don't know about 2013 level special or anything, but just a big year. Mizzou's going to probably put itself in a position for um, a New Year's 6 bid. We'll have to see if everything else shakes their way. But, yeah, this was probably the biggest swing game of the year. Uh, for Mizzou, and boy, oh boy, did it swing their direction.
3: With the conference forever changing and the SEC gaining two teams, and we talked about the schedule is going to look different next year. These permanent rivals, so they, you're not going to have the East and the West anymore. And going out against teams that had your number for four or five seasons is probably a great feeling for this program. Even though Drinkwitz and a lot of these players weren't even here for the first one, you know, four years ago. Or, three, or five years ago, and um, you look at beating Tennessee at home, beating Kentucky on the road. Those are two teams you might have seen as rivals to some. Those are still games that you wanted to win each year because those are the ones that you're battling for one of the top two, three spots in the SEC East when it all is said and done and it's good to go out with like that. And maybe they'll face them again in 2025, but you look at the 2024 schedule, those two, those two teams aren't on there anymore. And this team's done a good job of not looking too far ahead as well. Um, not skipping over a week, you know, going against Florida, Florida's a team that's beaten Tennessee at home. I mean, there's been games there that they've shown flashes that they can, beat teams. And it's a good thing that they're not looking too far ahead. They're not looking towards Arkansas or, or maybe even a New Year six, if that comes into the conversation, depending on, you know, how Ole Miss ends its season, because they're both fighting for an SEC spot and stuff like that. And um, they've done a good job of not looking too far ahead. Just, you know, the one and O mentality each week is probably what's really carrying this team and just building a great culture for Eli Drinkwitz and his staff.
1: That's a good cautionary tale, Kenny, or, or, or precaution or whatever. Uh, don't look overhead. I mean, this is a feisty Florida team. You have Arkansas who – I I've always thought sometimes the most dangerous team to play is a team with nothing to play for because they just throw it all out on the line and they try and beat the hell out of you especially a rival so you know Mizzou's got to get through that but as Peyton uh, hinted at uh, definitely a lot of exciting stuff on her on the horizon as you can get there it's a very nice thought to think well now you got Georgia and Alabama playing in the SEC championship game for playoff you got Ole Miss and I guess LSU who have had good years and then you got Mizzou right up there with those two programs like. And, and top four, top three arguments in terms of ranking the SEC as a whole. That's a pretty awesome uh, place to be for an Eli Drinkwitz team that last year was playing Wake Forest in a 53 degree uh, Tampa, Florida game uh, as their bowl last year. So it's come a long way. Still a lot to prove for Mizzou football. But what a win. Uh, 36 to 7. They beat Tennessee. That'll do it uh, for us. The Unwritten Rule. Everyone go enjoy your victory Saturday. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, we got some more news. We're gonna unfortunately have to go to some of the bad and recap that men's basketball loss to Memphis. That was that was an ugly game. Um, but we'll get to that. Let's enjoy the the uh, excitement while we've got it. So so for us this has been the Unwritten Rule presented by Bet Online. See you guys Monday.